You're listening to TalkZone.com. TalkZone.com. Internet Talk Radio. This is Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris on TalkZone.com. This is David Spade along with Elliot Harris here. Boy, Elliot, Tommy McDonald, he is full of energy even in his 70s. The guy's out shoveling snow, talking up a storm. He's incredible. Amazing. I hope if I, if I make it to that age, I hope I have half the vitality he has. But you know what he did said? There's one guy he did not want to play against. He hated playing the Giants and going against our next guest, Hall of Famer Sam Huff. How you doing, Sam? Well, good. He never came over the middle, I'll tell you that. He's just, he wasn't that dumb, was he? No. He knew better. He, he ran the up pattern over the corner pattern, but he didn't come over the middle. <laughs> no, he's a good player. You're not exactly uh, chopped liver yourself. Number 70 for the Giants, Hall of Famer. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, I did my job. You know, I uh, dented a few helmets of my own. Hitting uh, Jimmy Taylor, Jimmy Brown, and things, you know, it's its like a car collision. You have a wreck, but, uh, you know, both sides are going to get hurt. Yeah, they tended to tow away the ball carrier rather than the linebacker most of the time. Now, well, yeah, that's true, and, you know, and I helped them do that. Now, in Chicago, when, when we think of linebackers, you know, we think of Butkus. But for people like me, old enough to remember pre-Butkus NFL, Sam Huff was the gold standard of linebackers. Well, Bill George wasn't bad, you know. No, no, not yeah, at he all. Was, but. He was, I mean, the Bears have always had good linebackers. I mean, somehow they like that bad weather in Chicago. It, it ten, tends to give the defense an advantage, I think. <laughs> it sure does. But, you know, those were just such great days in the 50s, you know, the Chicago Bears, the New York Giants and uh, everything. It was, Sports was different then. Now, I mean, you know, these guys make a play. What do they do? They bump their rear ends together. They pump their shoulders together. They show their muscles, you know. If you did that with us, you know, uh, one of those linebackers walk up and punch you in the mouth. What would you have done to Deshaun Jackson and the Eagles if he's sitting there celebrating before he got in the end zone, doing somersaults, doing all this garbage? i tell you what I'd do. I would take the 15-yard penalty and I'd knock him into the stands. Okay, so would Benaric, so you know, so would Bill George, and and so you know, so would Joe Smith, and all all of us linebackers. We wouldn't put up with that crap. Excuse the language, but that, that's true. That's okay. We can get away with it on the internet here. Okay, <laughs> it's it's a different kind of athlete. It's it's more about me than it is about team. It seems nowadays. Well, that's because of coaching. Okay. Coaches control that. You would never do that with a Tom Landry or a Vince Lombardi, okay? And they, these coaches allow that to go on, okay? And, and you just don't do that. I mean, you have control of these guys. You, you know, there's about a hundred of them, and you throw a fine on them, or you cut their pay, or you get rid of them. You broadcast the Eagle game. I mean, in the Redskins games, right? Yes. Okay. Mike Shanahan's a well-respected coach. Yes. He got on Hainsworth this year. Do you think he did enough to Hainsworth, or you think he should have done more? I think he should have done it sooner. Okay? Uh, he put up with a lot. Hainsworth has a reputation of high school, college, and pro. Okay? And front offices lose football games. You know? And, you know, and, and Mike is a great coach. He tried everything to get Hainsworth to fit in to the system. Okay? They, 
he has a $41 million guarantee. $41 million. He has a $100 million contract. No football player is worth that. I don't care who he is, okay? They're not supermen, you know. Uh, so I'm just saying, front offices lose football games, and sometimes coaches do, but ball players win the games on the field. And, and Albert, big Albert, uh, maybe he had talent. I don't know. I didn't see it. I thought he was Fat Albert, not Big Albert. <laughs> well, yeah, okay, well, Fat Albert, Big Albert. But he hey, walked hey, off hey. the field to get a drink of water. And I said one time uh, on the air to my friend, Sonny Jurgensen, I said, Sonny, I've, I've been watching Big Albert. I think he's getting in a little bit better football condition. He said, why do you say that? I said, he's walking off the field quicker. Okay. <laughs> Sonny said, well, he's going to the ice water and he's going to the ice bucket, so that's why he's doing He walked off the field in a game. You know, and it was too bad because the guy has talent, but he doesn't use it. Okay. Now, Shanahan, Super Bowl coach, did he, did he go from genius to idiot overnight? Yes. How, how'd that happen? He hired his son as the offensive coordinator, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and now, uh, Don, they got Donovan McNabb to come in, okay, and Donovan came in, and he's, you know, he's a, a Pro Bowl player, uh, maybe not the greatest quarterback that ever played, but he has experience. And now they were winning a game, and we're broadcasting it, uh, and there was two minutes to go in a game, and they pull out Donovan McNabb, and put in Grossman. Well, what were they doing there? We couldn't wait to get Grossman. That time we saw enough of Grossman in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> hey, tell me. I, <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. You don't pull a quarterback out the last two minutes of a game, you know? Who made uh, the move? Was it Mike Shanahan or his son? Maybe both. I don't know. They didn't ask me. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I'm just saying, and I said to Sonny, and we talked back and forth, I said, why in the world would you take out the quarterback and you're winning the football game. And he said, well, I don't know. It must be the system, you know, because Sonny's closer to it than I am. I, I run a business, and Sonny spends most of his time uh, at Redskin Park and, you know, watching practice and everything else. But I asked, the, the, you know, the best quarterback that I've ever been around is Sonny Jurgensen. That would be like you having a horse that's winning a race, and when the race before it's over, you know what? Back off the horse. <laughs> the trainer tells the jockey to pull up the horse. I guess I don't know, but I, I mean, you know, uh, I saw it happen, and that was the beginning at the end of Donovan McNabb. You know, and you have a big investment made in him, just like you did Albert Hainsworth. You know, and, and you get rid of both of them, basically. I mean, Donovan stayed on. And he, I guess, he paid played out his contract, but he, you know, he he was let down. And that destroys the mentality of the whole football team, I guess. It's the ownership. The ownership's bad. Yeah, you have an owner that's just as goofy as uh, what happened with pulling McNabb out of the game. Well, I'm not saying that now. You guys are saying okay. that. He signs my paycheck. Okay. okay. He doesn't sign ours. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but he, he does the best he can do. You know, he never played pro football. You know, he's, he's made his money doing what he's doing. He's not a bad guy. You know, he's a good guy. What about Jack Kent Cook back in the day? Well, you're talking about a guy, you know, uh, he, he uh, well, I'll tell you one a story about Jack Kent Cook if we got a minute. Go ahead. He drafted three quarterbacks one year. Okay. Heath Shuler, Trent Green, and Gus Farratt. All right. 
Now, I live five minutes from Mr. Cook, and, you know, and I was broadcasting and everything. He called me into his office, and he said, I want to know, because you're a player, tell me about these quarterbacks, you know. He said, we offered Heath Shuler a contract, and I think it was about $500,000. Kids just coming out of college, right? We offered him a contract of 500000 And he said, now, Sam, he says he's not going to report unless I give him a million, right? And he said, what do you think about that? I said, well, Mr. Cook, you've drafted three quarterbacks. You've got to get your number one draft pick into the in, into practice, you know, in, in, and get him going. I said, why don't you talk to his agent? Now, they all have agents, and we were not allowed to have one. They all have a, a lawyer, an advisor, and so forth now. And, and I said, why don't you talk to his agent and tell him that he's the number one choice. If he takes you to the Super Bowl, you'll give him a million dollars. And you know what he said? Get the hell out of my office. I'm not giving anybody a million dollars. And 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 he doesn't he doesn't show up. And they and they uh, start out with Gus Verrat, and I'll never forget this. Who against the New York Giants at FedEx Field ran like a a quarterback draw or something, and goes into the end zone for a touchdown. He got so excited that he ran his head into the stadium. <laughs> and I remember saying to Sonny, I'm glad I was a quarterback instead of a linebacker because I'd never hear the end of it. He knocked himself out. I mean, this <laughs> things happen in Washington that's inexplainable sometimes. It is. Just look at the politics in Washington. No one can explain it. <laughs> well, you got it. I don't want to go there. Good. I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. Okay. Now, a little more than 50 years ago, you were on a CBS TV program with Walter Cronkite, The Violent World of Sam Huff. I remember that way back when. Very well, vividly. What yeah. was that like for you? Because at that time, you only had ABC, NBC, CBS. That that was about pretty much the scope of television. Yeah, but that was I think that was CBS that did that. Yes, that was. Yeah. What was that like? Oh, well, I was wired for sound. They, they put a, a backpack on my shoulder pads and covered up with sponge rubber and had a microphone on the front of me. They they recorded everything, and that was CBS News. That was not CBS Sports, and they recorded every hit that I made, every play that was called, and there was the big sounds. I mean, you know, it it, it was award winning, and you know, hey, that 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 packet they put on my back was a little over a pound. And if you're playing like I was playing, I was on all the special teams as well as the middle linebacker. You know, it, 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 it weighted me down a little bit, but I was young and I was able to handle it, and it was a great thing. I didn't know how important it was. I just did what they asked me to do. How much swearing was they to cut out? Don't you guys swear on the field when you're playing? Do we do what? Didn't you swear when you played a lot of the players, and didn't they pick that up? Or what oh, happened? yeah. Well, I, that's you know that was one of the things I made a deal that you edit the film. You know, you cut out the bad language, and they did that. It, it was it was really first class. CBS did it, and they did such a great job. It, it won all kind of awards, and I was the first guy ever wired for sound, and it was on, it, it was it was magnificent. It helped me uh, 
<laughs> get a, another raise of about $500. Wait, you were on a cereal box back in the day on a post box, I believe, kind of yeah. like Sammy Sosa was here in Chicago. Yeah, well, you know, I was in New York at the time, and when you're in New York, all those big corporations are up there, and they all went to watch the Giants play at Yankee Stadium. You know, now Yankee Stadium doesn't exist anymore and everything else. It's a different world now, but that was the great time in sports. As far as I'm concerned, the 50s and the 60s was made what it is today, and they're reaping the benefits from it. We were talking about Chuck Benark before, and we had him on our show, and he is so upset about Kathy Lee Gifford calling him a pasta head because of what he did to Frank Gifford back in the day when he put him out of football for that year, year and a half. Were you on the team back then? Sure. I was. That was the greatest hit I've ever seen. I mean, you know, Frank Gifford caused that himself. You know, uh, you're trained, you know, defensively to take a pass drop, and Bednarik did, and you're trained uh, to not go underneath a linebacker. You're trained to go behind him because there's a seam in between linebackers that the quarterback would throw the ball to you. Well, Frank came underneath two linebackers from the Philadelphia Eagles at Yankee Stadium and running towards the pitcher's mound because, you know, we shared that stadium. And Bednarik hit him. I tell you what. It was the biggest hit I've ever seen. He clotheslined him. He flipped him in the air. Gifford came down, hit his head on the ground, and fumbled the ball. The Eagles recovered it, and there was two minutes to go in the game, and that was the biggest hit I've ever seen. They carried Gifford off the field. I thought he was dead. They carried him off the field on a stretcher, took him into the into the Yankee Stadium and into the locker room, and, and the Eagles recovered the ball, and they you know just ran out the clock. Now we go in, and uh, we're, we're uh, getting undressed. Mo Jaleski was beside of me, and Andy Rivestelli was on the other side of me. And they bring the body out of the, the locker room, in, you know, out of the trainer's room, covered up on a gurney with a sheet over it. And I said to Mo, I said, there goes Gifford. He's dead. He's dead. But Nair killed him. Right? And it, it, wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't Frank. It was a policeman that was working the game. It was so excited, he had a heart attack and died. Wow. Okay, this all took place at Yankee Stadium. I thought it was Frank. Well, it wasn't Frank, but it was a policeman. You know, unfortunately, somebody died. And, and so they took Frank. He was already gone to the hospital, and he was hit so hard and so knocked out, he missed the entire next season. If, so, he, if he was a horse, they would have shot him. Well, he didn't have to shoot him. I thought he was dead in the first place, you know. But I'm just saying, uh, it was the biggest hit I've ever seen. It was a clean hit, okay? And I, I'll never forget it because, you know, Frank was a heck of a ball player, but he just made a mistake going underneath the bed Eric. I mean, I would have done the same thing. Bill George would have done the same thing. Butkus would have done the same thing. And Butkus would have acted like... <laughs> <laughs> ben Eric did, I think, you know, slamming his fist and all that kind of stuff. But it, it was uh, it was it was terrible. But it was, you know, as a football player, you got to say, hey, that's the way I would have hit the guy too. Thank you very much, Sam. It was a pleasure having you on. Great hearing these stories, hearing your thoughts on what's going on with the Redskins, yep. and good luck with the horses and the broadcasting. Hey, Thank you again. Great to, great to be on with you guys. I hope uh, I hope we got it all across. We got it Thank all across. You Thank much. you very much. Take care. There was Sam Huff. What a day today, Elliot. Wow. We had Sam Huff, Tommy McDonald, and the lovely Ash- Ashley Lobo. Doesn't get much better than this, although maybe next week it will. See you next week here on Sports and Torts. Thanks again.